bringing you the latest research, tools, and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy. It's Talk Healthy Today. Here's Lisa Davis. If you listen to the show, you know that I talk a bit about mental health. Uh, My grandmother was bipolar, and as a little girl, I learned early about mental illness, and my parents would say, you know, some people have physical illnesses, and some people have mental illnesses, and Grammy has a mental illness, and sometimes these things happen, or this happens, and it can be challenging, and I think it was really great that I had that awareness. Uh, Unfortunately, there is still such a stigma, and it breaks my heart, and one of the pioneers out there who has become a dear friend of mine, and I just adore her, is the wonderful Dr. Denise. Dr. Denise is going to join us to talk all about holistic mental health and her book, Mental Health and How to Thrive. Dr. Denise, I'm so excited to have you on Talk Healthy today. Hello. Lisa, I'm so happy to know you, and it's an honor to be on the show today. I'm smiling. Oh, I'm smiling too. <laughs> we got to be on and, TV. And, no, but people, and I people can see it I through the radio. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know that, that your grandmother, and I like the way it sounds like your parents did an exceptional job of destigmatizing and talking things about mental versus physical. It sounds like you're parents were ahead of the game and how to talk about mental health. So that's very impressive. Yeah, I think so too. Although at the same time, my mother would panic the week before my grandmother came, they would come twice a year because she was very, she was really challenging. And I don't, I'm not saying that's because she had a mental illness. She was just very challenging. And she would expect my mother to remember everything she ever told her every piece of clothing she ever gave her every everything and she would do the same thing to my sister and I so my mother would spend a week cleaning out her closet oh my god I can't find that shirt for my mother Ah, and I was like mom 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 you know it's okay but she just completely was set off and it was very very stressful so even though they knew how to explain it they didn't know quite how to deal with it let's say so I want to hear from you about a holistic view because that's one of the things I so many things I love about you but the way that you look at mental health talk to us about that well, I, I'm fortunate. I feel grateful that I went to medical school, medical school and I have the Western medicine background. But when you use the word holistic health, I really feel like when you talk to another person, like you and I are talking now on radio, you're really connecting with another soul. And so I view people not only as their human self and the material understanding of science, where I have to say, does this person have depression, anxiety, ADD? But I actually look at where are they at culturally? What are their belief systems? Do people believe in an afterlife? Do people believe in the soul? What's going on with their nutrition? Are they feeding their body for healthy mental health? Are they taking their probiotics? Are people exercising? And so I am very, very fortunate, Lisa, that I made the decision when I finished up at UCLA that I was going to work for myself. I do not have a practice where it's like the conveyor belt where you're seeing a person like, are you sad? Are you depressed? Here's your Prozac. Uh, I would actually leave medicine if that's how I had to practice. And so when I see someone for children, I work with about 60% children and 40% adults in my private practice. I spend a two hours, a two hour initial assessment. It often takes two and a half hours. And I meet with the child or teen for 45 minutes to an hour, then with the parents. I look at the rating scales, I get input from teachers, relatives, and when you're a child psychiatrist, you have to be mindful of children's learning styles. A lot of kids might have attention issues or educational challenges, 
And so you're taking um, a multidisciplinary look at someone and then a holistic. I really add that extra. I will say um, I really value my understanding of material science. But I'm also very interested in Eastern modalities of healing. I just went to India last year. And so I incorporate that in all my treatment plans. But I do really respect the person's belief system. So I, I practice from the Western medicine perspective with the holistic health in mind. Oh, see, I think that makes so much sense. And what a better way to go because you're really getting to know the person oh, and to meet them where it, they are. It is such a privilege. I get so happy. I just finished up my morning of seeing patients and to see people shift from, you know, at one point, you know, this young woman was feeling suicidal to now being ready to go back to college, to having all these tools. And in the one hour session, because I do therapy with her as well, you know, we talk about the medicine piece because she does need medicine for her specific situation. But so much of what we talk about is how are you relating to your family? Where are you at with your nutrition? What's your inner world? Like, what are you telling yourself? How are you defining yourself? And I think that's one of the things that's so great about this show is it's called Talk Healthy Today. And what we tell ourselves really has an impact on our health and well-being. And so even if someone has major depression by diagnosis, you know, I think of that person as their name that's having some symptoms of depression and you want to have an understanding of your, I think you and I talked about this um, off, off air, that your yes. neuro style, the word neuro style. I love that. I think for everyone listening, you know, words like disorder, mental illness, those are, those words do have a place. because We have to have a scientific way of validating that someone's in crisis and that they're needing help. And I think that those terms also serve a purpose for insurance and getting reimbursement. And I'm fine with that piece of it, the logical linear, but you don't want to stay and overly define yourself as a sick person or as someone that's mentally ill. You know, you can keep yourself in a more of a crisis or a non-healing place by the words that you choose and the thoughts that you tell yourself. You know, one of my dreams is that uh, somehow magically you can work with my daughter. We might have to move like next door because I really, she really needs your help. One of the things uh, that we're struggling with, and I think a lot of people who have kids who are uh, not neurotypical or who have differences, is a lot of self-doubt and negative self-talk. And I talked to her about how damaging that is and about self-fulfilling prophecies. And she's super bright and I know she understands. And she says, I just can't control my brain. It just keeps going to the negative and I don't know what to do. And I'm overwhelmed and it's breaking my heart. So one of the things that I got out, so many things I got out, we did an interview on, on my other radio show, it's your health was you have such practical tips that you can put into practice. Anything you can share along those lines. Cause I, I have a lot of listeners that have kids with, different challenges, whether it be autism spectrum, ADHD, dyslexia, mental health issues, anything that makes them feel different. And especially when they get to the age where their peers are noticing. And, and my daughter just turned 13. So she's at a real fragile age for any girl. Well, how does she see herself or what words does she use for herself right now when she's in that space? Does she have words that she describes when she's distressed? 
Oh, yeah. It's really, <laughs> it's very heavy. I mean, I laugh more of a nervous, it's like, I hate myself. I'm not good at anything. Nobody loves me. Nobody understands me. I can't be who I am. I mean, it's really heavy stuff because she's imaginative and she's more like an eight-year-old in the way she plays and thinks, even though she's very bright in terms of, like, sometimes I think I'm talking to an adult and then sometimes she's just like a little, little kid. And it's really heartbreaking, as I think I've already used that word several times, but it, it's as a mother to see this and to try to boost them up and to say, no, it's great. It's good that you're, you know, you're yourself and don't, you know, be who you are and love who you are when the world is sort of, you know, especially at this age is saying, no, no, you have to fit in this box. You well, know, I, I, I think... interviewed uh, uh, Andrew Solomon, Far From the Tree, and we talked about that, 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 you know, in the, when you're different even if you're not getting pressure in your family, the world sort of can pressure you. But anyway, go on. You were about to say something. No. So first of all, I listened to that interview. I love the work that he's doing. It was a fantastic oh, interview. So so back to your daughter and for people listening. First of all, I think when we're, I'm a mom too, and my son has sensory issues, ADD, and he just did a hundred hour reading program. So I think when we give our kids feedback, Sometimes they need to hear it from someone else because when we're the ones telling them don't think like that, they might think, well, you're my mom, you love me, you're supposed to say that. And so I think you all the stuff you're doing as a mother is probably intuitively right on. I would say to people out there, sometimes kids, if they're getting stuck or they're in a certain cycle of self-loathing or self-hatred, therapy can be invaluable, but also a mentor if a child has a sport or a musical instrument, or if kids, especially if they're on the spectrum, they get really into sort of one thing at a time. It's like, let's say someone's into Legos or Barbies or, you know, Hello Kitty. Having another person that's a little bit younger, almost like as a behaviorist, that can give them feedback. So they get, because I know when you and Andrew were talking about, you don't want your daughter to feel like she has to change completely. Like she's still allowed to be at times like that eight-year-old, her inner eight-year-old, and sometimes she's like her Definitely. inner sage, right? Yes, and so exactly. I think she needs to learn, and all of us do, this isn't just your daughter, this is about self-love and being our own best friend, but a specific tip for your daughter is it'd be really neat if she had a word, a couple words that got her unstuck. So if you're going down a path, like let's say she's saying, mom, I don't like myself. I think we've talked about using timers. You can say, okay, well, if you're feeling really sad or bummed out about that, like, let's like, don't tell her you're not allowed to feel sad or bummed out, but you can give a real tool is like, okay, well, do we want, just want to be sad about this for five minutes? And at the end of the five minutes or one minute or 30 seconds, we want to shift our energy to something we enjoy. And so I think if someone's having really, really monumental, tough, self-esteem issues. I think a therapist that knows cognitive behavioral therapy or DBT that works with children on the spectrum would be invaluable, but tips to do every day to kind of shift someone away from that thinking. You can have an area in your home that's almost like the what to do when we're bored or what to do when we're sad and have a bunch of activities so that you can shift away from that ruminative thought. Because a lot of kids that have anxiety or on the spectrum get stuck. And like with yeah, the kids in my both. practice, I try to relate to them when I'm playing games with them. Like, what do you want to call it? And a lot of kids don't want to call it a ruminative thought. That's such a big grown-up term. So a kid might mm -hmm. call it a sticky thought. And so when you label the thought, oh, I'm having a sticky thought, 
And then you need to have specific behavioral tools to shift away from that. Okay. And, you know, from a self-esteem standpoint, I'm a mom too. For all the moms and dads out there listening, it breaks your heart when your child says, I'm dumb or I'm stupid or why am I so hyper, right? I mean, we've mm-hmm. all been there. And so I think, I think as a parent, this is my parental hat, is I just really try to stay there, like in the moment and in the now and really validate the feelings. Like when my son's like, I'm not good. I, I'm not good at reading when he said that. And he's like, I'm just not, I'm not going to get it. Everyone else gets it. And he's like, mom, don't lie to me. You're my mom. And I can't, he is having trouble with reading. He looked at me with his big brown eyes. And I said, you know what? The way your information going from your right hemisphere to your left isn't going as fast. That's why and I, logically I break it down. And I explain to him what's going on. And then I validate, I'm sorry, it's really hard for you. But verbally, you're so bright, you're so fun. We're going to do everything we can and use all the tools to get you where you need to be. And so my son got really mad at people saying, you're just doing so great. He needs kids that are, kids in general, whether they see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or not, they need the data. Kids need real feedback. So I give my son a specific feedback as to why. Because if you just tell your kid, oh, you're great, or you're so this, sometimes they need specific examples. So like, I don't know if your daughter, if you then, of course, probably say, honey, I love you, and then give her, like, you do this great, you do this. Because she's got to start, she's got to start, our kids, all of us, your daughter, my son, all the kids out there need to start internalizing a positive self-talk. Like, like, I might be sensitive, or I might not be socially that you know, savvy, but that's okay. Cause I do this and this really well. And so that kind of behavioral thinking needs to shift and there needs to be a lot of intervention because kids sometimes don't hold on to it. They're so in the moment, they have to have a foundation for building self-esteem. Yeah, they definitely do. And I'm, de- I was funny because I was just talking with my husband last night. I said, I think we should find a, a, therapist who works with kids and teens who does CBT. So I'm glad I'm on the right course. Yeah. And also mindfulness and having a Mm. word like my son, he's like really proud. He's like, I'm a sensitive kid. Like mom, there was this uniform he had to wear. He's like, why do I have to wear that shirt? Why would anyone make that shirt for sensitive kids? And so if your daughter qualitatively describes herself and knows herself, and then she can navigate the world, but it doesn't mean everyone out there that you don't have days where you just want to cry as a parent or sometimes when you have children that have needs with autism or ADD or anxiety or depression, sometimes as a parent, you can feel a little trapped in your home. And so it's oh, really definitely. important that you get your support and you get your date nights with your, you know, with your husband or wife. It's super important. Yeah. You know, when my daughter was younger, it was just so incredibly difficult. And my husband would sit me down and he's like, you have to get out of the house. Like you have to leave, but she only sleeps on top of me. She sleeps, well, then she won't sleep. No, no, but she only, I mean, it was just so chaotic and, uh, I, I lost a ton of weight. And I remember when I did get together with friends, they were just shocked. They were like, I, mean, I was like five, 10, 124 pounds. It was not a pretty picture. And I was just depressed, you know, and looking back, I, we've come so far. And I think, 
another thing what I'm getting to is, is when you're in the thick of it, when you're in the worst of it, it can feel like it's never going to change. It does change. You'll have new challenges, but it does change. I want to throw that out there because at the time, if someone said, oh, someday you'll be back in media and you'll be doing what you love before you had your daughter, I'd say, you're crazy. I'm going to basically, she's going to be 25 and still sleeping on top of me and I'm never going to leave my house. <laughs> you know? Right. And I think for all of us, Everyone's got their belief system, but I believe our children that we're matched up with in this current lifetime, we are supposed to be with them for a reason. And whatever that is, whether they have, you know, really severe asthma, allergies, other medical issues, cerebral palsy, um, you know, mental health challenges, we learn so much as adults on how to be more loving, how to be more accepting and surrender. And so I look at my being a mother as like my biggest lesson, like my son is my biggest teacher in this lifetime. In fact, I'm sure your daughter has motivated you and made you like so passionate on all your shows, right? I mean, you're oh, you're definitely. walking the walk. So aren't you feeling like you're like, wow, let's do this show and like, let's really connect with other people. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I mentioned, I have to send it to you. I did a book called Easy to Love but Hard to Live With about people who have mental health challenges or have loved ones with mental health challenges. And in the first half of the book, it's people who have the challenges themselves. And the second half, it's people who love them. And there's experts in there. And I, I, I want to do another one just so I can have you <laughs> as a main expert because you're, you're, you have such great information. But it was really powerful to to see not only how it affects the person, but it does affect the rest of the family. Because my mother had severe sensory issues, but she was never diagnosed. And so when I had my daughter, I started seeing the same things. And I thought, oh, my God. Okay, I see. Now I'm getting this. But do I have to do this again? <laughs> you know, well, can like, I give a But I guess I have more tool? to learn. Can I sure. give a specific tool? Um, so, for instance, we just went to a museum. And my son has sensory issues. And my, it was my husband's birthday. We're trying to do quote unquote normal family stuff, which by the way, the word normal is annoying because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> everyone has their own different neuro style, right? So we get to sure, the museum sure. and my son's like, it's too loud. Those things, those high feelings, are those things going to fall on me? And believe it or not, he's very hyped. He was very active as a young child. I had to goalie dive save him literally on the third floor. He was going full throttle to the top of an escalator at that museum. So I want to kind of give oh everyone gosh. context that he's like, he was kind of curious, like, Mommy, where is the place where you saved me? So we went up and looked at it. So, of course, he might have heightened anxiety going to that museum. We weren't trying to do that for that reason because he loves science. And so long story short, if you have kids out there that are going to a museum or a zoo or a park and they're either very sensory overload where it's too loud or too crowded, I think it's very important to have um, a, like a little backpack with all of your kids' favorite activities, whether, you know, obviously limited screen time, use that appropriately. A lot of kids like to have a stuffed animal with them, cards to play. And then I like to map things out for with families and kids and my own son. Like, we're going to go for this long, or do you need a sensory break? And so, like, my husband and our other two kids went ahead, and Kieran and I sat on a bench for, like, 10 minutes. He's like, oh, my gosh, don't they just get it? I'm a sensitive kid mom. They keep asking me to go see the chickadees. I want to, but I just can't. And I just listened to him, and then I said, you know what, sweetheart? They love you. They're going to go do what they can. You and I can sit on the bench. And I'm like, but mom really wants to see this ice display. And then he waited. He looked at me he was like, well, let's go. So, like, I let him 
vent, have his feelings, take a sensory break. And then he went to like one or two more exhibits. And then we went outside and he felt like he like escaped from Alcatraz when we went outside. (laughs) He was like, yay, (laughs) we're out of the museum. And so then my husband and the kids still wanted to do more. And so I said, look, give me the car keys. I'm going to the car. And so I talked to my son, parents, you talk to your kids. My son's eight. I said, no, Kieran, someday when you're older, you might have a family that wants to go to a museum too. Do you think you'll go or not go? He's like, I don't know. I don't really like it. I'm like, well, do you like science? So he's like, yeah. I'm like, you can always tell everyone that when you go to the museum, you kind of do like one to three exhibits and then you need a break to go outside. That's the way you do museums. And so do you see, Lisa, I gave him sort of a template. So I gave that example as an illustration that you're letting your kid vent how they feel. You have kind of like healthy distractions. You give them like, way to go, you did it. And then you also don't want them to go all or nothing, like I'm never going to a museum again. So by talking to them after you get through the experience, then you've really done, like you've given them more tools, like how can I do this next time? Yeah, I, I love that because otherwise you're right. If they went and you push them, and sometimes I worry, it's a whole nother show, but I worry that parents don't know that their children are having sensory issues. I remember I was at some kind of craft fair thing and it's in our town and we go every year and it's mellow and, you know, my daughter really enjoys it. And I saw this mother and I, it just broke my heart. She, her daughter was crying. She was overwhelmed. She's like, mom, I'm really overwhelmed. I'm really overwhelmed. She's like, you have to stay. We're just staying. We just got her. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Now, if, whether this kid has a sensory issue or not, if your kid's crying and overwhelmed, why don't you go sit under a tree or on a bench for a few minutes and stop yelling at your child? And that's a whole other thing. But it makes me wonder sometimes when you see kids who seem super sensitive and the way their parents treat them and it's just making it worse. That's that's just just drives me well, crazy. I think kind of a global thing to say to that is I would yeah. love it if our preschools and our elementary schools had an integrative well-being assessment where people oh, yeah. weren't necessarily given diagnoses where, like, you have this disorder. But I'd love sure. it if people said, well, I'm kind of more shy or I'm more sensory or I'm more this. So that people had more words to, to, to match to this. And I have to tell you, Lisa, I feel the same way. My heart breaks. I did some moonlighting as a psychiatrist in a prison, an adult prison, right after I finished at UCLA. And I thought to myself, how many of these inmates might have had untreated ADHD autism spectrum issues, bipolar, or times where their parents just didn't have the tools. And so to me, this is why shows like this need to happen because we need to destigmatize what, you know, what quote unquote supposed to be normal and let people have their sensory experience and sensory awareness and figure out their threshold for success in many environments and not pathologize that you have to do something just because everyone else is doing it. We need to shift the way humanity views mental health. We need to use different words. That's why I like mental health. I like neurostyle because the word disorder serves a purpose for insurance forms and for scientific study, but it does not when it comes to mental health because people then don't even want to ever talk about their mental health. Yeah, that's true. I mean, my daughter says I have learning differences and sometimes like to her neurotypical friends, if they're having something's easier. Why is it so hard for you? She says, well, I have learning differences. I just learn in a different way. And it, and even though I guess you could call that a label or maybe, or would you, I think it's really positive. No, I think that's it kind fantastic. of helps. Okay. That's different. It's okay. A good. That's what I thought. And by the way, <laughs> yeah. everyone, I don't want to judge words. 
if you're out there and you're like, I have ADHD or I have OCD and I want to call it disorder because that's what makes me feel better that I know that, then you are exactly perfect the way you are. I just want people to have a choice of being mindful that the words that we tell ourselves affect our health and well-being. If you use those terms and they make you feel better, it's not affecting your health, then go for it. There's nothing wrong with having the scientific understanding. Like, I have to tell my patients because I've decided I'm not leaving psychiatry. Like, oh, I think you have ADHD, major depression, blah, blah, blah. But you're John, and this is what we're going to do. So I refocus that you're still you, but we're just going to tackle this. So I I think people need to be very self-aware of what makes them feel good about themselves. And so the fact that your daughter's saying learning challenges instead of saying I'm stupid is like fantastic, right? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. You know, Dr. Denise, we didn't even jump into your book, Mental Health and How to Thrive. So I want to have you back in September. I would say August, but I'm booked. I mean, I could talk to you all the time. But I do want to mention the book again. It's Mental Health and How to Thrive, Dr. Denise, MD. Dr. Denise, tell us all the ways we can find you on social media. I know you have a great platform and you're doing such amazing work. Okay, great. Thank you for having me on the show. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Denise, D-R-D-E-N-I-S-E. And on Facebook, I'm Dr. Denise. And so I look forward to connecting with all of you. Oh, Dr. Denise, I can't wait to have you back. If you want to connect with me and at Talk Healthy Today, Facebook at Talk Healthy Today Podcast, Instagram at Talk underscore Healthy underscore Today, Twitter and Snapchat at Talk Healthy, the number two day. Everybody have a great day. Thank you so much for listening and stay well.